Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Hello, everyone. Welcome to EPL Insights with data supported by InfoGoal. Gareth Wheeler, once again, alongside, well, the cement in between the stones on this podcast. I think that's appropriate. It's the Wizard of Oz, Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. I, I like that. Eric Ten Hogg describing Casemiro that way. And you can be our cement in between the stones. You keep it all together. Thanks. I hope uh, I hope Casemiro does a, a better job than I do. So um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be back again. I um, hope everyone enjoyed the football. I'm sure you enjoyed the Monday night football a lot more than many people did. I, I told you, well, we had this conversation. I think it was one worthwhile to have United Liverpool. It was the highly anticipated game on Monday night football and just seeing the way that it played out just in the build up to the game. I just wasn't convinced by Liverpool Two draws out of the gate. So many injuries, a much different side. I, I think we said and addressed this on a previous podcast, losing Sadio Mane. I think it was completely underplayed <laughs> just heading into the season, what it could mean for Liverpool. And I knew there was going to be some kind of a reaction action with everything surrounding United. And look at that. Even I couldn't have predicted uh, a 2-1 win, Jake, but still there was some real good value if you played the if, if you played the handicap heading into this game. Uh, a draw, no bet. There was plenty of ways to attack this game where you didn't even have to bet United outright to find some value. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think they, they took us all by surprise. I have to say, when I saw the, the starting lineup um, and he completely mixed things around and taking out the star or the big name players, the Maguires and Ronaldos, um, and went with a really sort of very dynamic front line, I thought that could cause Liverpool some problems, particularly with the high line. Um, for, for 60, 70 minutes, they were fantastic, weren't they? And then ultimately sat back with a 2 0 lead, as you'd, as you'd expect. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm sure we're going to get onto this game, aren't we? Southampton, Man United. I'm not too sure if it might be two steps forward and one steps back this week, but I'll uh, I'll save I'll save a little bit of that for later. Oh, we'll get that into that uh, game in just a matter of moments. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome. Uh, tell your friends, help spread the word, courtesy of our friends at Pinnacle. Uh, it's a, it's a podcast about reflections and projections when it comes to the Premier League. Looking back quickly on match uh, week three and ahead to the fourth match week of the Premier League season at the United Liverpool. I mean, I guess that was the main course, but the appetizer was pretty good as well. City Newcastle playing to a 3-3 draw at St. James's Park. That one dropped off, jumped off the page, as did Leeds upset City. 3-0 victory over Chelsea at Ellen Road on the weekend. West Ham still, I mean, picked up a point, let alone scored a goal thus far on this season. Um, what sticks out to you just in terms of the data and numbers um, coming out of match week three here, Jake? Yeah, the the 3-3 draw uh, between Newcastle and City was um yeah, it was an unbelievable game to watch for the neutral. I mean, that's kind of what you want to see, isn't it, when Manchester City or Liverpool rock up anywhere. You want to see teams have a go. Um you know, it's not too long ago that you you'd see City rock up at Newcastle, Newcastle Park, 10 men behind the ball under Steve Bruce and say right, come break us down. None of that at the weekend. It was all very much a um you know, we'll we'll take you on and we'll try and exploit your weaknesses. Uh, and it made for a great game and um, that was actually City's worst defensive display based on expected goals since Boxing Day last year. Um, and yeah, it kind of came out of the blue, didn't it? In terms of, we were talking about the podcast, how strong they were defensively. They, they barely conceded any chances, never mind goals in the first two matches. And then out, out pop Newcastle and, and rack up 2.3 XG. Um, but what I will say is about that game, they were very unfortunate not to win. Manchester City. So based on the quality of chances created in the match, we can calculate that City actually had a 65% chance of winning the game if the, if the match was re-simulated. So um, it, was a, it was a good performance from an attacking side of things. But yeah, it was just really refreshing to see um, you know a team outside the big six actually take the game to City and, um, and cause them some serious issues. And I won't be at all surprised if Crystal Palace do the same this weekend. 
Wow. Um, we kind of speculated about this as well, this Premier League season, all the games out of the gate, some uh, great change um, in, in some of the teams included as well. A World Cup year. It's going to be a season like no other. And it's provided already some unpredictable score lines. Leeds United at a 16.3% implied probability to go on and beat Chelsea. They did so really in comfortable fashion in that 3-0 victory. I don't think you or I saw this coming. How do you make Make sense of what played out there. Uh, no, I don't think we did see it coming, did we? Um, I think I, I tipped up both teams to score in that one. So when Leeds took a, took a lead, I thought that was, you know, a pretty, it was looking like a nice bet. Um, but yeah, they, they were fantastic. And I'm not sure Thomas Tuchel's comments after the game say that they were the better side. I, I don't really agree with that. I think um, the XG figures, the scoreline were pretty much identical in terms of the actual results. So, yeah, they, they were fantastic leads and, and they're going to cause quite a few people problems. Um, I said it at the start of the of the season in the, in the original preseason podcast that I thought Leeds would be fine just purely because of, um, of the underlying process at the back end of last season under Jesse Marsh. I know you had a few doubts around the Calvin Phillips and Rafinha leaving, which obviously leave two massive holes, but um, they seem to have, have, have filled those holes by committee rather than signing one outstanding player. Um, you know, you've got Jack Harrison chipping in more uh, in, on the forward end. You've got Aronson's coming. You've got Tyler Adams um, and Rocker playing midfield, filling the gap with Phillips. So yeah, they're, they're looking really strong. And um, yeah, that, that Brighton Leeds game on, on Saturday, it's a fascinating one um, and yeah we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later on in the in the sort of flash bits because there are some interesting data points in that the American Revolution is playing out before our eyes the reason why I was skeptical Jake is None of those players could do anything against Canada. So Adams, Aronson, uh, Marsh used to coach in Canada with CF Montreal, the Montreal Impact at that time. So we're familiar with what they bring to the table and, you know, good people in the game and, and a couple really promising players. I really rate Adams and Aronson, but against, you know, the, the Maple Leaf, the Canada Red, they just they just struggle. Maybe they need to play Chelsea on a weekly basis. So uh, we'll get into that. Uh, and of course, Arsenal uh, still the only perfect side um, three wins from three games thus far. We'll get into them and what's upcoming for Arsenal this weekend as well. The Premier League outright picture continues to change. Uh, Man City's odds uh, to, to go on and win the Premier League, dis- despite dropping points on the weekend, uh, is down to minus 275. Uh, Liverpool, what they've gone through is actually quite incredible. They are now at plus 6,000 or 600, I should say, to go on and, and win the Premier League, Arsenal, their odds have fallen uh, to, to plus 950. They were about four times that um, at, at the beginning of the season. Top four races, uh, they continue to change and shift as well. The most notable movers, you know, Manchester United still on July 18th um, at uh, plus 140 to go on and finish in the top four. You can get them now at plus 686. Um, Perhaps you like their performance and you might be a little bit more bullish on that. I still look at that Chelsea number. Uh, A top four finish has dropped to minus 120. I think there could be some real value there. I still rate Chelsea. They're going to be active in the window over the course of the next week. I'm not sure if anything sticks out to you in terms of the outrights, but Chelsea minus 120, a top four finish. I can absolutely see that happening. Yeah, I uh, I think that it's going to be a fascinating battle, that, because um, I know I said at the very start of the season um, that Tottenham, in my opinion, were a lot for the top four. Um, that's looking quite good right about now, but uh, still very early in the season. I think that they'll be... They'll be the, the closest challenges to City and Liverpool, um, or maybe just City if Liverpool continue to have a weird, funky season. Um, and yeah, then, then it becomes a battle between Chelsea and Arsenal. And uh, I have to say, the way in which Arsenal have started has been, been very impressive. Um, I know they've had a fairly kind schedule in the sense that they've played um, you know, Bournemouth and Leicester in the last two matches. Uh, Leicester, a team I'm not very high on at all, and it wasn't the start of the season. Um, whereas Chelsea have had a tough away game at Leeds, and obviously they've had to play Tottenham as well. So um, yeah, it's still early days. I think I still stick with my preseason prediction of the top four being the same as it was last season, in which case that Chelsea bet at minus 120 um, looks at a decent price. All right, let's look ahead and get into match week four here in the Premier League, starting off with the early match on Saturday. It seemingly is Manchester United's annual end of summer pilgrimage to the South Coast as 11th place Southampton welcome Manchester United. It's the early game on Saturday. Southampton 
Came, came from behind to beat Leicester City 2-1 on the weekend. Uh, second half brace by Shea Adams. Good enough to give them the victory. The only injury in their team is really Livermento. Uh, they're without a clean sheet in the last five games. They've gone over the two and a half goal total in games they played in five of their last five. And both teams have scored in each and every one of their last five games as well. Manchester United, it's, it's a short rest. It's a little bit weird and unusual to see a team play Monday Night Football then play the first game on Saturday. I'm not sure if they'll mind this time around. They're absolutely flying after that 2-1 win over Liverpool on Monday. Sancho and Rashford, the goal scorers. Um, Casemiro likely to come into the team. We'll see what kind of role he may play with United in the weekend. Still, this team cannot keep a clean sheet without a clean sheet in their last eight. Head-to-head, both teams have scored when these two teams have featured against one another in seven of their last eight. United haven't lost in their last 13, but last season, these two sides played to -to back-to-back 1-1 draws. We all remember what happened in 2021, before that, that 9-0 thrashing at Old Trafford, United over Southampton. Uh, United are a favorite, a short favorite. You can get them at minus 122 for a win. Does Manchester United do the unthinkable, Jake, and go back-to-back in consecutive weeks? Um, they, they, they obviously have a chance of doing so. They were really impressive on Monday. Um, but I think it'll be, very, it'll be a lot more difficult than people will expect to, to back that performance up this weekend just purely because against Liverpool United started with energy as we discussed they played a very dynamic and, and very quick front three which allowed them to press high up the pitch um, and they played it at a pace that Liverpool couldn't really match um, but that won't be the case for Southampton because they are as youthful as exuberant and as quick uh, and they press as aggressively as well um, and while Liverpool pinned United back which ultimately afforded them space to counterattack, uh, which obviously led to the second goal They'll not get that in this match either because Southampton will look at what Brighton and Brentford did, which was you know play almost defence-first football and try and try and play a very direct counter-attacking game themselves, which I think ultimately suits the way in which Southampton want to set up under Ralph Hasenhuttle. So I think it'll be a very difficult game for United and, and one where we'll learn a lot again about where they're at because um, I think everybody could tell you with this current Manchester United team that they are at the best when they're counter-attacking because they have players who can advance the ball very quickly, very directly from back to front and they have players that can run in behind and expose a high line. So um, the next test really is to see if they can do it against a team that that sits back like almost what we'd call a lesser team. Basically, Manchester United, the onus is on them to go and win the match rather than um, sit back and try and counter-attack because... Yeah, they were the underdogs against Liverpool, weren't they? And, and you kind of play with a bit of freedom when you're the underdog because you've got nothing to lose. This weekend, it's going to be the opposite. Southampton will be the underdog and they, they like being the underdog. They got some great results against the, the bigger sides last season at home. Um, um, and you factor in that they've actually started the season fairly impressively, the Saints. You know, they, they were well beaten at Tottenham. As, as I've said, I rate Tottenham very highly. Um, and their comeback at home to Leeds was impressive, 2-0 down and, and to, to sort of fight back to, to get a draw. And then the win at Leicester was impressive last week. Um, they limited Leicester to just 0.39 expected goals, racked up over 1.5 themselves. So it was a fully deserved win. Adding to the fact that United have actually lost seven straight away Premier League matches, um, really struggled on the road in terms of creating chances and limiting chances. Uh, and I think it could be a very, very difficult game for them. Um, so from a betting angle, Southampton plus 0.75 on the Asian handicap, uh, which is around minus 113. That, that's where I was looking for a best bet. And that basically means that if, if Man United actually win the game by one goal, we only make half a loss. If the game is drawn or Southampton win the game, um, then we, we get a winner. So... Yeah, I've got this. I've got this finishing one-one again. I know you said the last two fixtures between these two have got one-one. Uh, I've got it as one-one again this time around. I think Southampton will be really awkward for them. I still think it's going to be one of those games where it's a chance to learn a little bit about whether United are evolving under Eric Ten Hag and what this group is all about. Like something that screams out to me is, what is one of United's most glaring weaknesses in the team? is defending set pieces. James Ward-Prowse, when he plays Manchester United, seemingly creates something from a set piece, whether it's a corner kick or, or or something in the field of play. It just seems to happen game in, game out when these two sides play. But there's a part of me that says, okay, looks like Malassia did decent on left back and Martinez and Varane, you know, they're a top center back pairing. It, it's highly unlikely that Maguire comes back in. 
Casemiro at the, you know, in the, in the holding role, the midfield, this team looks a whole lot more robust. And I'm just not sure if the talent or lack thereof in the Southampton side can handle Manchester United when they're playing full of confidence, if they get off to a good start in this game. Um, I, I'm not sure what, what that may do to any potential play. I'm looking both teams to score potentially no at plus 137. Um, I, I get, again, it might be one goal either way. I just don't think that this will be a high scoring affair. Like something has to change with United in the way that they defend. It needs to be better. I thought it was better against Liverpool. Um, you know, d- d- despite Mo Salah's goal, I thought they did overall a decent job. And I'm just not sure that Southampton, other than from set pieces, really have a group that can really challenge this United side. Yeah, I don't think they'll need to challenge hard, though, um, from an attacking standpoint. Because as you said, defensively, there's so many question marks still. Um, and, and as I said, I think this is a really another awkward mismatch for United because the, the way in which Tenar wants them to play is going to leave them very stretched at the back um, and leave plenty of spaces for the likes of Che Adams running behind, who is a very powerful runner of the ball and, and someone who likes to play on the shoulder. Um, so yeah, I think Southampton will get a fair few chances in this one. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not jumping onto the Man United bandwagon just yet. I need to see more because, you know, they, they've, I think it was under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they had a fantastic record against the big six. They really did. They, they had a, a, a I think they went to Manchester City, beat them a couple of times. Uh, they've done well against Liverpool, Chelsea, etc. That I expect them to do that because they have the, the, the game plan to sort of really hurt those teams. Whereas against the lesser sides where they have to actually put a foot on the ball and create a chance. I mean, maybe having Ericsson in the team and uh, might help unlock those sort of low block defences, but either way, I think Southampton will, will get chances and, and I've got them down for a point. Just one more thing to keep in mind. Quick turnaround with midweek fitch, uh, fixtures all over the Premier League next week. Uh, quick turnaround for Southampton playing Chelsea at home on Tuesday. United doesn't play till Thursday against Leicester City. So we'll see how that may affect the team selections for both sides as well. A big bounce back spot. Is this the week that Liverpool finally comes away with their first win? At least on paper, it looks advantageous to them. They're back at Anfield and they take on Bournemouth. Liverpool, of course, lost 2-1 at United on the weekend. The injury list remains. Thiago, Jota, Natip, the Ox, Kenyatte, all out. Nunez suspended. Naby Keita and Curtis Jones are severe doubts. Major question marks headed this game as well. They haven't won in four. They haven't come away, played a game where they picked up a clean sheet in their last six. And most incredibly, they've conceded the first goal in five of their last six games. That trend continued at Old Trafford midweek. Bournemouth absolutely got smashed at Arsenal. It was done within 11 minutes as Odegaard came away with a brace. Saliba added one another in the second half. It was a thrill, 3-0 home loss. Scott Parker wasn't happy whatsoever. Injuries for Bournemouth. Brooks, Rothwell out. Questionable are Frederick Solanke and Stanislas. Bournemouth, by the way, they've been first to concede in four of their last five games. Head-to-head, when these two teams play in their last nine, each and every game has gone over the two-and-a-half goal total. Liverpool have won six in a row. Haven't lost to Bournemouth in seven and have been the first to score in five of six. And oh yeah, by the way, if you're expecting goals and expecting Liverpool to take it out on Bournemouth this weekend, Bournemouth without a clean sheet in their last 13 games against Liverpool as well. Uh, There's no surprise, Liverpool, a considerable favorite here, Jake, but what is worth backing in this game? Um, For me, I'm going to be very boring and say nothing. Um, <laughs> it's not they, boring. You know, so, sometimes the best bet is to have no bet, um, and you know I think we can, we all think that Liverpool are going to win this game comfortably. That's the way I think anyway. But you know the handicaps are two and a half. Do I think that this current Liverpool team, with the the doubts and the injury list, could you know the chances of them hitting three nil or four nil are a lot slimmer? I think given the injury list and the reliance on the likes of Milner and Henderson to be a creative force in midfield. Liverpool win to nil was something I was looking at, but that's quite a short price as well, at around one, minus 160. So, yeah, I, I just thought from a betting standpoint, I'd leave this one alone. Um, you know, we, we, Bournemouth have, have started like one of the worst teams in the league. They've racked up just 1.02 expected goals across three matches, which is just 0.3 per game. Um, yeah, they, they are struggling in attack, which is why the win to nil sort of made appeal, but soon 
just swatted that away because the price is just too short to, to risk given the way in which Liverpool have defended so far because 1.5 expected goals against per game over three matches against Fulham, Palace and United is a really poor total um, for a team that ultimately have been extremely reliable at the back for quite a long period of time. So, yeah, I just thought the best thing to do with this one was just to give it a watching brief um, and, you know, hope. I, I do hope Liverpool get back on track. I hope that they... they you know, find the mojo again because um, if they don't, then it could well be a, an absolute canter of a title race uh, for Manchester City. Well, I was going to say that the one thing that I would bet my mortgage on is for Liverpool to score first, but at minus six fifty three, <laughs> there, there, there's I, I it would have to be my mortgage, your mortgage, everyone's like it's just it, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, I, I I'm with you. I was looking at Liverpool to nil as well, but at minus one fifty eight. Um, might be a little bit of a stretch considering how vulnerable they've looked. Teams are picking on Trent Alexander-Arnold down that Liverpool right side. And and um, obviously, if you've, if you've been on the internet over recent days, the memes of Virgil van Dijk, he's starting to be made out like he's Harry Maguire. It's unbelievable what's happened. Like, has it struck midnight Cinderella and van Dijk turned into a pumpkin? I, I'm not willing to go that far, but certainly that's what it's being made out to be. So this one, I, I'm just looking at the board and there's not much there for me, unless you're backing Bournemouth in in this game away from home at Anfield what this game means for Liverpool I just don't see it absolutely not no um, yeah the, as we said at the start of the season the Bournemouth are the rightly relegation favourites to probably finish bottom um, I've not changed my opinion on that at all from what I've seen just shocking going forward. They're literally offering nothing in attack. Uh, I know they've had a tough schedule playing Manchester City and Arsenal and Liverpool, obviously, in a three-game stretch is not ideal. But, um, you know, you'd hope that they at least cause a few issues for, for both those teams already. The only thing, as you said, the, the winter nil that's putting me off that is just purely because the, the, the high line Liverpool play and the, and the ease with which they get, seem to be getting exposed with it at the moment. I don't know if there's, if there's an issue there between Trent Alexander-Arnold, Gomez and, and Van Dijk or whoever plays next to because the, that channel seems to be really easily accessible. It could be the midfield issue. Um, you know, the, usually they have a midfielder that, that slots in and fills that hole that might be Kate or Thiago or whoever it is that's, that's not there or maybe it's Henderson that is usually there and just not playing to the same standard. So too many question marks about them defensively for me to, to get involved. Uh, to your point about Bournemouth, the worst XG in all of the Premier League with just one, one through three games played. Uh, on to another match featuring on Saturday, Manchester City back at home. Should be a good one. They're in second place in the table, facing ninth place Crystal Palace. City come in after that thrilling 3-3 draw at St. James's Park. Gundogan, Holland, and Silva has scored goals for City as they came from two goals down to earn that draw. Their XG was good, 3.77, but gave up a lot of chances. Uncharacteristic for Manchester City. 2.3 for Newcastle in that game. Laporte's injured. Ake potentially injured as well, not making life easier at the back for Manchester City. Jack Grealish is questionable ahead of this game as well. City being the first to score in five of six and Erling Holland off to a flyer three goals with an XG of 3.4. Uh, 11 shots, six on target. The 3.4 XG, the second best so far in the Premier League. Crystal Palace coming in off a 3-1 win over Aston Villa. Zaha with the brace after Ollie Watkins opened the scoring for Aston Villa in the fifth minute. Palace were good, an XG of 2.93 in that game. Uh, injuries, Ferguson, Butlin, MacArthur, and Tompkins all remain out. As good as Palace continues to be going forward, they're without a clean sheet in their last four. Like, Will Zaha has been great, especially playing against uh, playing on the counter-attack, something that you can see him do with regularity. We're expecting him to with regularity against Man City. He's has three goals already on the season. It's also worth mentioning head-to-head, um, Palace had an away win at the Etihad last season and a home draw against Manchester City as well. Is there, is there some value here in the draw or a potential Palace upset win here? What do you make heading into this weekend? Because I know you've been high on Crystal Palace from the get-go. Yeah, it's still high on them. Um, I think the performance and the way in which they dealt with Aston Villa last week was excellent and it's kind of what I expected really when we, when we put Crystal Palace up to win the game. I, I can't see them getting a result. Um, I know you said they're the head-to-head. They had a really good record last season. Uh, they, they have, in fact, won more... Um, uh, the last four meetings at the Etihad, Crystal Palace have won more than Manchester City. Uh, they've won twice at the Etihad to Manchester City once. But 
Yeah, I think I think the safer play from a betting standpoint and a more confident play is to take Crystal Palace with a handicap head start. Um, you can currently, the line's around plus two and a quarter, um, which means that if they lose by two Crystal Palace, then we get half a loss. Uh, sorry, half a win if they lose by two. Lose by three or more, it's a full loss. And if they lose by one or draw the game or win the game, then we get a full winner. Uh, that just seems like an obvious play to me. We saw them go to Liverpool and set up in a really smart manner. Uh, they switched to a back five to make them a little bit more solid um, and more difficult to break down, while also allowing them more freedom and more space to their forward players to counter-attack. I can see them doing exactly the same here. City defensively were exposed by Newcastle, who, to be fair, they didn't go full defensive low block with a counter-attack. They actually played uh, quite high in the midfield and pressed the midfield quite well to create turnovers for their, uh, a couple of their chances. But Palace have got, you know, they've got a very good blueprint there to, to follow how to hurt Manchester City. And I think they'll do exactly that because let's be fair, Patrick Vieira, he's not daft. He's shown so far in his time at Crystal Palace that he's a very smart coach and you know, coming to the Etihad last season and winning was an extraordinary feat. I know there was a red card in that game, but I think there's a couple of goals before it uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, as I said, I'm not going out on a limb to suggest they're going to get a win or a draw, but I think they'll keep it incredibly close. Uh, and I think that that head start is a little bit too big um, and pre- probably a bit too dismissive of how good Palace actually are. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. The only other play I'd be tempted to make is over half a goal in terms of a goal total for Crystal Palace, meaning they score, uh, it comes in at plus 108. Uh, I think they're good for a goal. Their XG thus far this season's 5.7. They've been one of the better attacking sides in the Premier League as far as the numbers go, Jake. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and that's exactly what we saw last season as well. Uh, particularly at home, they did most of the damage on that front. But away from home, they always carry that counter-attacking threat with the likes of Zahar. And, and you know, you've got Eze now, who's an unbelievable ball carrier who can beat tackles and, and progress the ball up the pitch. Uh, Elise can do the same job off the bench if needs be as well. So they've got real you know, real tools that can hurt these kind of teams away from home. And and they've got different styles of different ways of playing as well, which I think should really um, make them dangerous moving forward because, you know, we we saw against Arsenal, they dominated the ball for most part in the second half particular, pushed them back and tried to actually play their way through Arsenal. Uh, And against Liverpool, it was exactly the opposite. They sat back, but looked ever so threatening quite regularly on the counter-attack. So yeah, I'm I'm still really high on Crystal Palace. I think they're going to have a great season. Whether they'll get a result or not here, I'm not saying they won't because they, they've shown um, plenty of the last 18 months under Vieira that they are more than capable of getting a result at this at Manchester City. But just from a betting standpoint, get the handicap on side for a bit of extra security. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued with the goal total for Manchester City as well. If they go over the total of two and a half, it plays at minus 121. Um they put two past West Ham with East, smashed Bournemouth at home, and then scored three against Newcastle. Like the trio of Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Holland. I mean, I mean, good luck. Best of luck to every other team in the league, you know, keeping them at bay. If you think that they're going to go on and score three goals again, which at home, um, <laughs> it wouldn't be at a place to suggest that there, there could be some value there as well. I, I, I kind of like whenever City plays at home to look to over the number. And this could be one of those games as well. Yeah, I think my only issue with that would be the, the fact that they, when they beat Bournemouth 4-0, they only generated 1.7 expected goals. So they were actually fortunate to hit four goals on that occasion. Bournemouth did a really good job of limiting them from a, a chance creation perspective. And if Crystal Palace do similar and limit them to around that that same XG figure, then I would be surprised if this time around they did get over three, maybe four. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit wary of that. I've got this one as a 2-1 home win, um, personally, which would see the cover of the handicap. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Let's move to the final game on Saturday. Arsenal, a perfect start to the campaign. Three wins from three. They're on nine points as they take on seventh place Fulham. One of the surprise outfits thus far in the Premier League. Done very well. Arsenal, let's start with them. A 3-0 away win at Bournemouth on the weekend. Odegaard with a brace. Saliba with another goal as well. Uh, They've won nine games in a row and gone over the two and a half goal total in five of their last six and have been the first team to score in seven of seven and the first half winner in five of five. Jesus, Martinelli, Odegaard all have two goals in the season and Reese Nelson really the only notable injury of any type in this team. 
team. So they're fit and they're firing out of the gate. Fulham, what a start to the season for them. Mitrovic, his 90th minute winner, a powerful header to the far post. It was a great goal as they beat Brentford 3-2 was the final at the cottage. An XG of 2.83 in that game. They're still without Wilson, Brian, and Solomon. They haven't lost in their last five, and both teams have scored in Fulham games in five of six. Alexander Mitrovic, remember how much he struggled? He was unplayable, like as in they couldn't and wouldn't play him last time they were in the Premier League. He has three goals on 15 shots and the best XG among any player in the Premier League with 3.47, the most shots and the most shots on target as well so far. Uh, Do Arsenal keep this perfect streak alive or do Fulham continue to surprise out of the gate heading into this really interesting game this Saturday? Yeah, I I think this is a straightforward home win for Arsenal. Um, I think the streak's going to be well... Straightforward? Wow. I know I might be doing a slight disservice to Fulham, but um, the way in which Arsenal over the last season in particular have performed at home, this should be a very straightforward home win. Um, Yeah, they've been excellent so far this season, but last season... At home, they were pretty much flawless. I think only lost two matches, which was against Manchester City and Chelsea early on. Um, and over the last 20 home games under Mikel Arteta, they've averaged 2.27 expected goals for 1.02 expected goals against per game. So simply excellent underlying process. It's, it's not far off what we see from uh, Liverpool and Manchester City when they play at home. Just just to kind of highlight how the sort of tra- trajectory that they're, they're currently going in at the moment, Arsenal, which is very much getting closer to those top two um, rather than further away. And yeah, Fulham, they've been good. Um, beaten five points, very impressive in attack against Brentford. But this is a big step up. You know, they, they, the only away game they've had so far was at Wolves, who were one of the, um, well, I was going to say worst attacking teams. I think that's probably fair. Um, this is a completely different ball game because Arsenal have the tools to absolutely ravaged this Fulham backline, which has been relatively untested. Um, I mean, we, we saw them we kept Liverpool at bay for 45 minutes and did really well in that first game. But as soon as Liverpool turned, uh, went up a gear, brought Nunes on, it was haphazard defending. Liverpool created four big chances in, in that second half and racked up nearly 2.2 expected goals. So, Clearly, they are very guessable as a defensive unit um, and Brentford themselves managed to rack up 1.7 XG. So, I, I'm fully expecting Arsenal to score two, three, four goals in this one. I think that the way in which they're playing, um, they, I would say the correct word is that they are purring right now. They are really purring. Arteta's got them finely tuned. He's got a nice uh, a nice mix of, of experience and youth. And that front four look really menacing. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm more than happy to go in with um, a similar bet to what I had when Arsenal hosted Leicester a couple of weeks ago, which cruised in as well. Uh, I think on that occasion, the, the line was at minus one. This time it's minus one and a half, but still happy to take that, um, which is at minus 106 as the price. Just, yeah, Arsenal to win by two clear goals. Um, I think that they win this one quite comfortably and, and maintain their spot at the top of the table. That sounds weird, doesn't it? To talk about it's, Arsenal at the top of the it's, table. It's, it's so weird and I'm not there yet, to be honest with you. <laughs> I haven't purchased my ticket yet to get on the, the, the Arsenal train. I just I just can't do it yet. Like, look, the, the opening match win against Crystal Palace, it, it, it wasn't a 2-0 game. I give them full credit for, you know, Palace squandered some chances. I don't think Palace was at their sharpest. Full credit to Arsenal for coming away with a win. But back-to-back wins over arguably the two worst teams in the Premier League, Leicester City in Bournemouth back to back you need to show me a little bit more uh, th- they've been impressive there's no denying that much more like a team there's balance in this group but I'm still not sure yet you know on the same side of the ledger here I just I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent convinced by Fulham but I know that they're full of energy it looks like that this team shows no fear they're willing to come out and attack they've lost a game in their first three this is a very straightforward start to the season for Arsenal. They should be winning these games. Their first five or six games, you know, aren't the, aren't the most difficult. They play Aston Villa on Thursday. They even have a break between this game and their next. So it plays into an Arsenal win. I'm a little bit leery of making any full bet here, but I kind of like both teams to score in this one. Um, just uh, Fulham's attack has convinced me. Um, Andreas Pereira looks a completely different player. Um, I know he drew, drew some rave reviews playing in Brazil last season, but he's come back with a point to prove there's legs in this team. They seem fearless under Marco Silva. There's something about this Fulham team. Now, I'm not sure if they can keep the ball in the back of the net against a team like Arsenal, but certainly I think there's goals to be scored in this game. 
Yeah, I, th- I think both teams score is a good bet. Um, I've got I've got Fulham getting a goal at the very least as a consolation. Um, yeah, I just think I'm just picking up on your point there about not being sold. I, like Arsenal were very good last season. Um, the issue I had with them was that they weren't winning convincingly, particularly against teams that they should be beating convincingly. And so far this season, they've done that. Um, that was my main issue with them going into last weekend's game. We're all expecting Arsenal to win, but make a statement. like Do do a, a Liverpool or Man City and win the game comfortably with plenty in hand. Uh, and they did exactly that. And granted, Bournemouth for a, a really bad example because they're rubbish. Um, but <clears throat> they did it with Leicester as well. You know, a 4-2 scoreline completely flattered Leicester. Arsenal were uh, were you know more than probably deserving of a three goal um, cushion in that game. So yeah, if they can continue to win the games that are expected to win, but win them in a manner um, of, of, that we've been witnessing City and Liverpool do, which is almost just cruising through matches and, and making it look really easy, then uh, I will start getting on the train in terms of them um, getting in the, into the top four. And you know that the title train is is a bit premature, as you said. Uh, I'm nowhere near that. I don't think I'll get near that, even if they are two points behind City with four games to go. But um, yeah, the the top four train that could be boarded uh, over the next two or three weeks if they continue in the same manner that they're doing. I'm going to take the bus instead, and we'll see where it leads me. I'm staying off that train. Uh, let's get ahead to the to the late game, the final match of the weekend on Sunday. It's Nottingham Forest back at home, where they won their first game back in the city grounds. Um, you know, upon the return to the Premier League, they beat West Ham last weekend. A hard fought one one draw against Everton. A game they'll feel like they maybe should have had a little bit. Brendan Johnson scored in the 81st minute. They gave up a late uh, late equalizer to Damari Gray in the 88th minute. Uh, but still, a one one draw for. Forest, a decent result. Niakate, Richards, they remain out. Callback is questionable. Uh, for Spurs, a less than convincing 1-0 win against Wolves. Uh, the visitors took the game to them in the first half, if we're going to be honest. But guess who? Harry Kane in the 64th minute scored the goal. The most goals by one player for one club in Premier League history. Uh, the only considerable injury remains in the Spurs team is Romero at the back. He remains out. Um, and there's considerable time off between games for Spurs as well as a head to head. This is the first game between Forrest and Spurs since the EFL cup in 2014. And of course they haven't played in the premier league since team 99. Who do you like in this one? This might be a more tricky game than expected for Spurs to go away to a place was, which was absolutely bumping when for Forrest took on West Ham and their opening home match in their return to the premier league. Yeah. I've, I've rocked back and forth um, with my bet on this one and, and my fancy because I, I I do think that Tottenham will win, but like you said, I think it'll be a bit more difficult um, than the odds perhaps suggest. So Forest plus one and a quarter on the Asian handicap was initially my pick, but having looked at the figures and the numbers, I can't be getting on side with Nottingham Forest right now because while they have picked up four points, um, they've been really fortunate to do so based on expected goals. They've actually collected the third fewest expected points heading into the game week four. Uh, They've lost the XG battle in all three matches um, and and have allowed over two expected goals against per game um, while generating just 1.15. So that, that to me... Over the previous five, six, seven, eight seasons, that has gone down as a as a relegation worthy underlying process. So if that maintains, which I don't think it will, um, then they will be in trouble. But as we've said originally, and, and as, as I've been banging the drum, I think over the first four or five weeks, we can't really judge Nottingham Forest because they're still bedding players in. There's still new players getting used to the system, getting settled into the country. Um, and I think it'll take them a while to actually get going and find the feet properly, in which case I think they'll be fine. But as it as it as it is right now, something's got to change. Otherwise, Spurs will probably beat them convincingly. Um, yeah, I've been really impressed with Tottenham. I know you you said they were they were on the ropes a little bit in that first half, but if you look at the shot map on Infragol, it really wasn't anything to worry about because um, Wolves have got which we'll, we'll touch on in a minute in more detail. Wolves have got a really bad habit of taking really bad shots, it's, it, and by that I mean taking low probability chances from 25 yards rather than playing a couple of extra passes and trying to create a better chance. So Spurs were, you know, while the shot count looked quite extreme at halftime, Spurs were, in my opinion, never really threatened or worried because they, you know, yes, someone could hit a shot from 25 yards that could find the top corner. That happens. 
I think if you ask Conte, he'd be more than happy with letting any opposition just shoot from outside the box because the chance of you scoring is, you know, you're looking around 6% up to 10%, depending on the, the angle and the players in between the ball. So um, all in all, I wasn't too worried about that. The second half, they were much better. Got a deserved win because they created the better of the chances. Um, but yeah, the, the, the clincher for me and why I moved away from the Forest angle was because of Tottenham's away process and results under Antonio Conte. So usually, you're, you know, in previous seasons, years, we've, we've, we've known Tottenham to be very flaky, particularly away from a bit like Arsenal. They've both Spursy. been like that. Yeah. Um, but they've only lost three of 15 away games under Antonio oh. Conte. Uh, and they've, they've won seven, so obviously drawn five. But um, the, the XG process over that period was really pro- positive. It's 1.8 expected goals for 1.35 against. So again, it's not quite the levels of a City Liverpool when they travel, but it's 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 very very much third best in the league. And if they can hit those same levels, I think that the Spurs will win this game because of what I've said about Forrest being um, defensively vulnerable. But the way in which Forrest attacked in that game against West Ham with the crowd behind them, um, and uh, I think I said it last week when I tipped when we went for the unders in this Everton Forest game, I think they'll be a different proposition at home compared to away. I think they'll be much more cautious and wary when they're playing away from home, uh, maybe a bit more negative. Uh, and when they've got the crowd behind them playing at home, I think they'll play more on the front foot and try and take the game to opponents, uh, in which case, I landed on both teams to score as my bet, which is around minus 106. Uh, and it's a bet I really like at the price. I think it's uh, it's got a fantastic chance of, of landing this weekend. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a fascinating game in terms of setup as well, because both teams will play a back three. Um, and, and it's just a case of who can expose the other one uh, more. And, and from what we've seen from Forest, the way in which West Ham managed to get down the channels of the fullbacks, um, uh, the wingbacks, I think Tottenham will probably be able to do some damage. Um, so I've, I've got them winning 3-1, but I thought both teams to score was a, a best bet. Uh, my initial instinct was Leeds Chelsea from last weekend coming into this one. Marsh, Cooper, a little bit of an unknown quantity changes in the team um energetic team that's backed by 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 a really good home support as well but you know i I would have said the same thing about thomas tuchel but i just cannot see antonio conte losing a game like this away from home with all the changes the 60 new players or whatever in in the forest side it's just too much to take on an antonio conte team i kind of lean to the under 2.75 goals in this one at minus 106 uh i can see a hard-fought one goal maybe a one nil victory for, but you know, a one, one wouldn't surprise me either. Um, in terms of your bet as well, I just cannot see Conte losing this game away from home. The Spurs team is different. Although I'm not completely convinced they're not as Spursy uh, from the outset as previous seasons. So I, but I think it will be a competitive game and a great way to end the weekend. Uh, let's go rapid fire for the remaining fixtures. Cause I know you want to get into um, a couple of these other games, potentially with your best bet of the weekend as well. Um, let's start with their stay with the games on Sunday wolves in Newcastle wolves are 18th in the table. Uh, we saw Nunez and, and Gwedish make their debuts. I thought both were good. The question around wolves is who's going to score in Newcastle right now is potentially who may be out as Wilson burn both came down with Knox, uh, you know, hamstring and a concussion respectively on the weekend. Those are two important players for Newcastle. And it's also a look ahead game for Newcastle as they play Liverpool on Thursday. This one's intriguing as well. It really is. Yeah. And um, I touched on it there about Wolves in terms of the shot locations. So against Tottenham, they they racked up 0.8 expected goals. um, And that came from 20 attempts. So you're looking at an average of 0.04 expected goals per shot. And that basically means that each shot that they took in that match had around a 4% chance of being scored. So not very smart to be doing that on a regular basis, um, which is ultimately what they've been doing so far this season. So overall, three matches gone, 3.1 expected goals for 42 shots taken. So they've averaged 0.07 expected goals per shot. And they've only created two big chances in three matches. So they've got a real issue in terms of generating good opportunities. They they are, seem to be a team who get in and around the area, just pull the trigger. Whereas... They perhaps need a bit more invention and, and a bit more um, calmness rather than being a bit frenetic and just pulling the trigger and taking a shot. Other than that, they've they've been very strong defensively, as we've come to expect really from Wolves. Um, 1.18 non-penalty expected goals against per game is what they've averaged. So if they can sort out that creative issue, which they'll be hoping that Nunes helps with and Gradish, and they've been linked with a um, striker from um, from the Bundesliga, Sasa, I'm probably going to butcher his name here, Sasa Kalajic. 
I think. Close enough. Yeah. Um, he's big a big Austrian yeah, striker. Big Austrian striker. Yeah. So if they can get someone like that over the line, then that might solve the issue. But um, yeah, I, Having said all of that, I do think that Wolves are potentially a bet this weekend against Newcastle. Um, plus no on the Asian handicap, minus 111, so money back if, if the game ends in a draw. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the injury issues for Newcastle. Um, but my main issue with them is that away from home, results have been good, performances have been bad. So they've been really fortunate with uh, to get the amount of points as they have away from home under Eddie Howe. There was a prime example last time out against Brighton where they were pretty much non-existent in the game and, and Nick Pope single-handedly got them a point. Well, the, the average across the last 14 away games under Eddie Howe um, is simply shocking. One expected goal created per game, 1.94 conceded. So they've been comfortably outcreated by pretty much every opponent on average when away from home. So unless those levels improve, um, can't see them getting another positive result. So as much as I don't like to because of the issues in attack that Wolves have got, I think that they're probably the most likely winners of this one. Interesting. I love myself a Wolves draw bet at plus 232. That one jumps off the page for me. It's not my best bet of the week. My best bet of the week comes in Sunday's other other fixture from Villa Park. It's Aston Villa and West Ham. West Ham, incredibly the only team without a goal thus far in this Premier League season, three losses from three games. My best bet comes in this game is over two and a half goals scored. I love the total at minus 116. Villa are a mess at the back and expected goals against a 5.5 without a clean sheet in their last five. West Ham are going to have to press defensively. They were a mess. Timo Kerr was all over the shop in his, in his West Ham debut. Still center back defensively. There are questions there. Kufal and Dawson both questionable for this game. West Ham's without a clean sheet in their last four as well. Um, and head to head, um, both these teams, there's goals in this fixture. Uh, so that that's my best bet of the week. Not sure if you have anything to add to that. I've got the same bet now, over two and a half, yeah. Villa defensively struggling. Uh, the only bright spot for them actually came at home where they put on a decent attacking display against uh, Everton. So yeah, I'm expecting similar from them at home. More of a gunko approach take the game to West Ham. Um, and yeah, West Ham have been very vulnerable of late. So yeah, I like the overs in that. Well, let's go rapid fire for these last three. Brighton, seven points. Are they for real? They take on Leeds United. Two wins and a draw as well. They're on seven points as well. Two informed sides. I can't believe we're saying this. And I guess this weekend, we'll see which side will take a step forward. Is, is there a bet here you like or one of these sides that has impressed you more than the other? Um, there's not really a better like in this game. Uh, I've been equally impressed by both Brighton. They've got the real potential to be a surprise package and actually crash into Europe this season because that's the levels that they've been hitting over the last two seasons under Graham Potter. The main issue they've had is converting good home performances into home points. Um, that is the only difference between them and European football, in my opinion, because away from home, they are excellent. And they seem to, for whatever reason, get the results that the performances deserve. So I did a little bit more digging. Um, they've had 39 home games under Graham Potter. They've created 65.7 expected goals for, which is an average of 1.68 per game. They've only scored 41 times. So they've underperformed by nearly 25 goals over two games, uh, two seasons. So based on calculations, 0.03% chance of them scoring 41 goals or fewer from the chances they've created. And they actually had more, had a greater chance of scoring 90 times from the chances they've created than they have of scoring 41 times. So just to put into perspective how wasteful Brighton have been uh, in attack uh, at home. It's only at home. I don't know why. Um, I'm still digging into the data to figure out, figure that exactly why that is happening. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of the second level data, but just for last season. So uh, not the post-shot expected goals that Brighton were putting up um, was, I think, 187 so their, their actual shot-based expected goals from last season was 32.7-ish. Their post-shot XG was 18.7. So they were actually reducing the quality of the chances they were taking by around 15 expected goals because of the shot locations that they were taking, uh, that they were putting the ball. So that's, that tells you poor finishing. Um, there's a lot of blocks in there that might be caveats as well. But yeah, that, that's something they need to work on. And, and until... Until I see a period of three, four, five, six games where they are starting to finish the chances at home, then I'll always be a little bit skeptical of backing them um, at the Amex. Two. So, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very strange 
um, occurrence. Uh, and, and it's a big sample size we're talking about as well. Man, that the Troussard second goal against West Ham on the weekend, it was a thing of beauty. So um, trending in the right direction, need to do it the MX this weekend. Two more exactly. games to get to. Um, Brentford and Everton on Saturday. Uh, we've discussed this before. Brentford, an excellent home side. Everton, a miserable side away from home and still don't have a win on the season. At plus 103, a Brentford win. That's got to be in the cards, isn't it? Yeah, that's the bet. Brentford plus, uh, plus 103 is the bet. Um, yeah, they, as we've said, from the start of the season seventh best home side in the division last time around battered Manchester United in their only home game so far Everton miserable away from home uh, ranked as the well in the bottom three on every major metric uh, away from home under Frank Lampard so yeah I can't see anything other than a home winning this one uh, and finally well it's now the Wesley Fofana Derby it was once upon a time the Danny Drinkwater Derby or maybe the Angolo Conte Derby, whatever you want to call it. Chelsea, after being smashed last weekend, uh, Koulibaly suspended as well. It was brainless stuff at the end of that game. They take on Leicester, who look to be in a world of hurt right now. 19th place in the table. Is there a bet here that you like? Yeah, I like over two and a quarter, two and three quarter goals, which is at minus 118. So if there's exactly three goals, we get half a win. Uh, I can see this being been more than the three goals. Leicester, there's something really wrong there, isn't there? Um, I've actually been banging the Leicester are in trouble drum since midway last season. Uh, defensive process was on track to be one of the worst that Infocol's ever seen halfway through last season. They managed to adjust it slightly, make it slightly better. Um, but overall, they've remained really awful. And, and you know they've welcomed players back from injuries, but there's massive unrest, isn't there, around the stars? Madison, Fafana, Tielemans, all um, you know, subjects of transfer rumours. Um, so far this season, they've been shocking again. Eight goals conceded, winless. Um, the main issue I've had with them is that as well as being poor defensively, they've actually been shocking in attack, which is a huge surprise given the quality that they have there, the Barnes, the Madisons, the Vardys. They've averaged just 0.53 expected goals for per game so far this season. Uh, I think only Bournemouth have averaged fewer. So it just highlights how poor they've been and defensively they are all over the place. Uh, so unless something changes, my preseason prediction of a Leicester bottom half finish might look over optimistic. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's goals in this purely because of the, de- the defensive issues Leicester have. Uh, Chelsea will be desperate to bounce back from a shocking performance. Um, and while they haven't been, you know, they've not really made Sanford Bridge a fortress have they, over the last couple of years under Tuchel. I think they're more than capable of, of carving out plenty of chances and goals against what is a very sorry Leicester team. It's going to be a nervy next week ahead of the transfer deadline at the King Power. And Brendan Rodgers simply needs uh, his side to be strengthened um, and not weakened over the course of the next week. Uh, a reminder, all of the best odds are on Pinnacle.com. And you can also hit up our Premier League predictions articles, weekly La Liga predictions articles, all at Pinnacle.com slash betting resources. And keep up the speed across Pinnacle's social media channels for content. The U.S. Open starts next week in New York City. We're looking forward to that. The Premier League, the return of the Champions League as well. The Champions League betting blueprint will be returning with myself, Jake, and Andrew Beasley as well. And that's coming your way in early September. Follow along at Pinnacle on Twitter, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube. Myself at Gareth Wheeler and Jake at Jake Oz, O-Z-Z on Twitter as well. Good stuff this week. Enjoy it. And best of luck to you and your plays this weekend, Jake. Likewise, thank you. The cement between the stones. Jake Osgathorpe <laughs> from InfoGoal. Thank you for joining us this week. Wheels down on this week's podcast. This has been EPL Insights, courtesy of Pinnacle.com.